Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 73 of Unblocking Crypto. Last week, we had some really interesting news about BlackRock filing for a spot ETF for Bitcoin. And since that has happened, there's been quite a few interesting things that have come up from that. The one thing that I did see was if you look at some of the crypto investment products, the largest inflows since July of last year started happening last week. So that's exciting to see that the money is coming back. Bitcoin is definitely the majority of that. I, I want to say they had like 94, 94% of all the inflows for Bitcoin. A lot of that, I'm sure, probably has to do with institutions being more confident about what's happening after BlackRock making that filing. Yeah, I saw um, behind BlackRock, like Wisdom Tree, I guess ARK Invest, is, their ETF request is still open. There were several other Bitcoin spot ETFs that followed right behind BlackRock. And I read an article that did a little bit of on-chain analysis for this rally we're in, you know, into these kind of low 20s up to this low $30,000 Bitcoin. And a lot of it is kind of whale-based, like large buyers, orders of five Bitcoin or greater, different metrics they use that way to determine that it's not kind of small buyers a lot of small buyers taking a lot of small purchases it's 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 kind of major major buyers which is kind of in line with the thinking of all right if blackrock is going to apply for the etf they're probably going to get it and institutions you know family offices bigger bigger players are more comfortable with with bitcoin doing well in the upcoming regulation maybe something like that that's bullish yeah, speaking of bigger buyers, I don't know if you saw Binance.us had their Bitcoin slash Tether price hit $138,000 for a few seconds because liquidity is so low and there was a huge buyer that put in a big order and it spiked the price up <laughs> super oh. high. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, so it, it's interesting. I mean, market depth has become a huge issue with everybody taking all their coins off exchanges. So it is creating, going to be creating some problems for a lot of these big companies that want to buy lots. I mean, we talked about if BlackRock needed to go buy enough to backfill their spot ETF, it's going to cause all kinds of problems for the spot market. Yeah, I mean, if you if if money floods into that ETF, I think the way that that was written, they have to correct so that their ETF value matches their holdings on a daily basis. So whether they want to buy at cheaper prices or not, it doesn't matter. They've got to buy that day. And so I, I, I've read quite a few things that are kind of downplaying the the price impact of Bitcoin for this ETF. I'm not really sure why. I mean, if, if it brings in billions of dollars in a short period of time because there's not a lot of liquid Bitcoin available, you know, the price is going to go up. Not only that, just bringing in a whole new era where old money that isn't interested in buying bitcoin on an exchange actually holding the bitcoin and you know putting it into cold storage and memorizing 12 words or writing it down i mean all all of the bitcoin stuff that's weird you don't have to do that you can just buy the etf as if it's apple stock so i, I think there is a lot of money that can get unlocked i think it'll flow in quickly uh money flowing in quickly when 
people aren't interested in selling means price could could shoot up. I'm fine to not go crazy. Price is going to go up. Yeah, it was interesting too. I mean, BlackRock is such a huge player in the market, having ten trillion in assets. Deutsche Bank just filed for their crypto custody license, and Deutsche Bank still has one point four trillion dollars in assets, right? So, I mean, it's a huge amount. Granted, it's only like one seventh of what Black BlackRock has, but I mean, there are some huge players that are getting into this space. And if it, I would say, if BlackRock wasn't had made an announcement last week the Deutsche Bank news would have been huge for somebody like that to be joining this space too. Yeah. As these things come into play, I think just everybody's comfort level increases. And another thing that hasn't been talked about much is, you know, there's a unit bias problem that Bitcoin has, you know, one Bitcoin being $30,000. If people don't understand what Bitcoin is, they think, oh man, that's too expensive. I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in buying a Bitcoin for $30,000, but if, you could buy a share of an ETF for $30 or $45 or even $100. The unit bias problem goes away for those non-Bitcoin educated, you know, Bitcoin curious investors. So, you know, there's there's multiple reasons why you could see money slide this way. You know, people that are, I mean, like my mom, right? She's in her mid 60s. She's like, wants to buy Bitcoin, you know, and then, you know, okay, we'll just get on Coinbase and buy Bitcoin and just lose it right there, right? So for her to just tell her financial advisor or whatever, hey, I'd, I'd like to buy some of this Bitcoin ETF, that's easy, right? That's She's used to doing that. So, you know, just just stuff like that, people sliding in. I'm at the age where my, my friends are starting to inherit money from their, their parents and you know, they're not going to put 0% into Bitcoin. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of reason for, um, for optimism in the next, I mean, honestly, the next 18 months should be pretty exciting, right? We've got a likely ETF approval and a halving and the subsequent increase in price after the halving. So if, if demand's going up while the daily supply goes from 900 Bitcoin to 450 Bitcoin, you know, you, you could see a real price escalation and and kind of get what we thought we were going to get last cycle maybe play catch up a little bit yeah definitely i mean institutional money is is becoming more and more interested i don't know if you heard much about edx but edx is a new institutional crypto exchange it's backed by fidelity schwab and citadel it will deal only with institutional clients and it will only currently have bitcoin bitcoin cash litecoin and ethereum since the SEC has not said that those are securities, it is also not licensed by the by the SEC, and all these huge banks are getting involved in it, knowing that it's not officially regulated by the SEC. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's it's, it's kind of fun to see. I mean, you talk about positive news to the IMF, the International Monetary Foundation, whatever they're called, made a statement recently that they think a crypto ban might not be the best approach and a lot of this has to do with most of these countries in south america that have been pretty much leading a lot of the other places on crypto and and accepting it as an actual currency and things like that there so they should you go back to a couple of years ago and imf was completely against crypto and now they believe that it does play 
in the space. I think they still want to see a CDBC be the one that wins it all, right? But at least they are open to the idea that crypto has a spot in the future, which is huge. Yeah, I mean, if if the IMF isn't seeing the potential benefits of moving money from developed countries to developing countries, you know, cheap and easily to uh, to families and you know, in countries that are receiving funds from family members working in the United States and Europe and things like that. I mean, you're you're talking about the opposite of what the whole, the point of the IMF is. I mean, uh, conspiracy theory would argue that the point of the IMF is to kind of put developing countries in in debt slavery to developed countries. But the point is, you're, they are trying to help developing countries. They just it's not likely it's a bunch of evil people conspiring to ruin the lives of millions billions of people in poor countries it's more likely just people making mistakes and trying to do good things but not thinking them through properly but uh but yeah i mean now that you can actually see it like some people like especially government stuff they have to see it and they have to get super comfortable with it before they're like oh maybe this new thing will work they just they're hung up on old systems and hung up on old technologies so bad that it takes them forever to, to open up to the new stuff so you know el salvador and lightning and things like that proving that it can work i think is really valuable for the imf to to hold off on oh maybe maybe we can come up with a better solution than than you know a thousand different geniuses leading a thousand different companies you know maybe maybe they'll they'll pump the brakes and, and watch what happens and then and go that way it's it's just like capitalism versus centralized authority like they think they can make a better mousetrap than a thousand geniuses trying to build a, a mousetraps. Like, guess what? Just wait and pick the best one that, that comes out of the market. Yeah, no, exactly. South Korea made an interesting announcement or a decision in their courts. So their rules stated that they viewed Bitcoin is not money. And a lot of that had to do with there were two companies, one had loaned some Bitcoin to the other, and they were paying it based on a certain interest rate. And that company somewhat defaulted. So they changed the interest rate. And then company B kind of sued company A saying that that's not allowed under the interest rate rules. So South Korea went, looked at it and said, hey, Bitcoin's not money. So the interest rate rules don't apply, <laughs> which if they're going to say Bitcoin isn't money, then that changes probably quite a bit on yeah. what well, at least they begs the question what is it yeah it'll be interesting to see what comes out of all that now yeah yeah i mean i, I um I, you know the algorithms shoot you stuff when you're like on twitter and everything and there was a bitcoin backed mortgage advertisement that said to me like you know poster bitcoin is collateral rather than getting a loan against x y or z and i'm like man I ju i'm just not going to do it i mean it, that could run away from you so fast that whatever company you think is you know is is backing you they could just be under i mean if bitcoin doubles in six months how, how can a company repay in bitcoin in a in a world that does isn't in a circular bitcoin economy right like how are they earning enough bitcoin in bitcoin terms so no i think uh treating it like money is it, it's like um it's attractive because it feels like money but with so much being US dollar based. And I mean, it, it's like you're, you're taking on exchange rate risk. That's super difficult to predict. So now I, I think 
South Korea saying it's not money isn't a bad thing. I'm curious to see where it goes. Similarly, I, I just read a quick article that said Cardano was, uh, uh, Indonesia decided Cardano was a commodity. So that that's good for you. Really? Interesting. <laughs> Somebody although, thinks it's a commodity. Although, isn't Indonesia the country that says you can't use crypto to pay for anything? but it's like it's the fourth most populous country i mean that's there's you know indonesia sort of matters (laughs) you can have it you just can't use it for anything all right perfect (laughs) yeah yeah it's a commodity it's like uh you know copper interesting there's been a lot of regulation talk here lately too i don't know if you've seen there there was a ex-sec official that came out and talked about what's going on with Coinbase and Binance versus the SEC and that what the SEC keeps talking about is one rule, but there's another one called the major question doctrine. And it pretty much states that an agency must receive explicit approval from Congress before trying to, I guess, fix a matter of national economic or political issue. And since apparently they are considering crypto as one of these. They're saying that that theoretically needed to come from Congress and yet it didn't. So this probably won't come out until they get to appealate court, however you say that, right? Appellate. So, yeah, so when that happens, it's still to be determined. It's a long way, I think, from that. So but, like we could be in a different world. Crypto could be in a different world by the time that rolls around. That sounds yeah. like years. Yeah, so it's interesting that he's like, based on what what that says, expect for Coinbase and Binance to use that in this conversation and, and things to change dramatically. So we'll see what happens. I mean, it's kind of interesting that there are other things out there other than the one thing the SEC says, this is what we have to go by. And the goal is to make it not clear so that we can do whatever we want. <laughs> yeah, put that on the list of things where it's like, companies can't wait for the government and and they can't wait for sec regulation like the, the edx exchange where you have multiple institutions uh operating outside of the bounds of the sec it's like they have to do something right i mean you're everybody's looking for yield everybody's looking for uh, you know they're in a competitive environment trying to get investments from people in order to do that you need to be better than the next guy and so if the next guy refuses to to get into crypto and you do that gives you at least it gives you some differentiator and if if the next guy's waiting for sec approval you could have a four-year jump on them um which matters right because you're talking about having to develop technology build relationships with custodians um market things you know like fidelity it isn't really trying to brand itself as crypto friendly like a crypto friendly institution there you don't see that in commercials or you don't see it in online but they have been dealing with crypto longer than anybody and so it's almost like once the, once the sec sets regulations they're ready to rock they got everything laid out they're, i mean they're they were blockfi's custodian when blockfi started and then when block when ftx loaned blockfi money they had to, they part of that deal was to pull the custodial relationship out of fidelity and give it to ftx which was the downfall of the whole thing but like fidelity one of the reasons why people were comfortable moving to BlockFi is because the, the custodian wasn't just a uh like a joke 
Well, I think also Fidelity was, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think they were the first company to allow Bitcoin in 401ks. So right. you had to you had to have the companies that were managing the 401ks actually approve it. And I, I don't think there were many that did, but they started years ago, maybe not years, but quite a while ago, enabling that in your 401k. So if you wanted to put Bitcoin in your 401k, they were an option. One of the first ones. Right. And, but I mean, that name carries weight, right? It's not yeah. it's not like Crypto.com is offering a 401k for crypto. I mean, it's Fidelity, which like I've, had, I've worked for companies that had Fidelity as their 401k provider, right? Like mm -hmm. big companies. I mean, it's not like they're not a nobody. So so that kind of stuff matters. And if, if your your company is just waiting for SEC regulation, you're at least a year from developing a crypto group that can handle the the, the pretty wild differences between um, Bitcoin investments versus, you know, traditional U.S. dollar based investments and in equities. So, you know, you're going to be hiring people that know stuff that you know nothing about. <laughs> like, that's not good. Um, so so companies can't wait is, you know, the moral of that story. And the SEC dragging their feet is just promoting more companies to operate outside of what the SEC thinks the regulation should be, but won't actually set the regulation. Exactly. Australia, the blockchain Australia's new CEO came out and talked about how he views what the crypto regulation should look like in Australia. And I think they're more kind of like a, a lobbyist group that's helping that government decide how to move forward with crypto regulation. He pretty much said, if I was Australia, I really hope that they look at the UK, Hong Kong, and Singapore and crypto rec and regulation. He said, definitely not the US. <laughs> Yeah, like I read a, a couple articles I read uh, over the last week or two talked about like Europe, you know, that that MICA regulation or legislation and how kind of they're, they're paving the way to, to lead. And it's like, when was the last time the United States was like, no thanks to a technology? I mean, AI, we're in the lead. Internet, we destroyed everybody, even though you, there's several countries that just seem to be more technical focused. But I mean, Silicon Valley is in California. It's not in in Japan or or Taiwan or China or anywhere else. You know, so why why are we not quickly identifying this as is is worth paving the way to let Americans you know run with it? I mean, we're we're like when's the last time we chased uh, companies like Lightning out and move, they moved headquarters out of the country? You know, it's one thing to move from California to Austin, but for, to move from from Chicago to or not to El Salvador. Like, when's the last time you even heard of anything like that? Like, never. Yeah, that whole MICA effect. I mean, that regulation has done wonders, I think, for Europe in general. If you look at even the VC investment that's going into crypto, as of last year, Europe, in Q1, I think, of, of 2022, Europe had just under 60% of all the VC investment in crypto. Fast forward to this last quarter q2 of, of 2023 they have almost 10x that to just over 47 percent of all vc investment is going into europe yeah during, well i mean if you're this, not going to get shut down like there's when you're when you're doing a, a risk evaluation of of where you're going to put your money you know that regulation category takes up 20 percent or at least 10 percent of your risk you know that spreadsheet that pro risk profile of like, well, okay, what, is, what are the chances that, we, that regulation impacts us negatively? 
I was like, if you're in the United States, you have to put like, hey, this could go to zero. There's a there's a non-zero chance that we're forced to, to either spend a bunch of money to move or we just shut things down. And so, you know, anybody that went to freaking public school knows you get a zero. It's, you know, if you had similar companies, one based in and London and one based in Sacramento, like, guess what? The one the one in London is going to win. Yeah, I mean, most of that gain for Europe came from a loss in the U.S., right? I mean, the U.S. had a majority of that in the past, and now they have much less at this point. So kind of disappointing. Yeah. I think from another perspective, too, we talked a little bit about South America. Brazil had an interesting first, maybe I should say, is they have a hospital in Brazil that is accepting crypto for all of their medical issues so it's kind of the first one in the country it will probably gain quite a bit of traction since that part of brazil has been pretty crypto friendly and i think there's 160 vendors down there that have already kind of accepted crypto and use it to pay and if you take a a look at just south america in general and look what's happening from an inflation perspective it makes sense why everybody down there is trying to get out of whatever their local fiat currency is into something that is way more stable and i mean shoot in the us people are scared about bitcoin because it's volatile in the rest of the world people can't wait to get out of whatever currency they're in into bitcoin because it is so much better than anything else they've seen yeah i mean you know living in the united states all you ever compare bitcoin to is the us dollar and so you know when it's up or down versus the dollar but if you look at other currencies like there's several that are approaching like all-time highs right now because their currency is falling apart and Bitcoin's making a bit of a rally versus the dollar. So, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a huge bias for Americans to, to only look at U.S. dollar versus Bitcoin. But, man, some of these currencies that are inflating and, and have had double-digit inflation for a couple of years now, Bitcoin's been great for them. And you can just bounce out of it and bounce back into it easily. You know, you can do it with your phone. So, so yeah, uh, like these are the things where maybe the United States is is behind because the, the, it's not really a need to be into Bitcoin or or have their have citizens be able to get into Bitcoin. Where the Argentinians, you know, they they might revolt if you take it away. So last week we also talked about Block in their new wallet. Well, what we all, what I found out recently was Kathy Wood and her ARC ETF funds, they ended up adding about $20 million of Block shares. So Block is now the fourth largest holding in all of her funds, which is, I think, pretty interesting. Her view is, from a Bitcoin perspective, a bearish view in 2030 still puts Bitcoin over half a million dollars. And she said the bullish view is much higher than that. So she's still a huge believer in crypto and specifically Bitcoin. Um, But they're now putting a large investment into block as well with their focus on Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like a block has been moving slowly, um, slower than I thought they would, because I feel like that they kind of came out with the outline for that wallet about a year ago. And it's still like kind of, it's not like it's available for everybody. I'm kind of curious to see how that works. But but yeah, they're all about Bitcoin technology and, and building on Bitcoin. We'll see how it goes. 
I know we've talked a lot about Bitcoin, but it's probably worth mentioning some of the interesting things happening with Ethereum. So Ethereum staked Ethereum just reached 20 million ETH staked, which means that it has doubled the amount of staked ETH since the beginning of the year already, which is huge. Right. So now you have one out of every, I think, five Ethereum is staked, something like that. And they are in the process of voting, trying to change the max number of ETH in a validator node from 32 up to 248. And the reason that's important, we've kind of talked about this in the past where there was, I think Celsius was trying to stake a bunch of their Ethereum and nodes. When it's 32 max, you can only have so many. And so you had these huge vendors or huge validators having to go get a ton of nodes. And it was taking 40 to 60 days to get kind of approved for a validator. Now, if they can change that max from 32 to just over 2000, they could put a lot more Ethereum in that validator node and not have to have a ton of different validator nodes. So right now it looks fairly promising on just what's happening with Ethereum, so much of being staked, so much of it being taken off of exchanges as well. I mean, the EIP had made it deflationary too. So it's it's an interesting product, token, blockchain, whatever you want to call it, that is still gathering a lot of momentum in addition to what Bitcoin's doing. Today. Yeah, Ethereum is, Ethereum's they're kind of doing a decent job of separating themselves from other crypto. Like they're, they're different enough. So I'm curious to see, I mean, like Gensler's made a point to not touch Ethereum and not try to define Ethereum and avoid any questions about Ethereum. So, you know, they may get one of those kind of um, special treatment because they're so big and it's like, yeah, you could, they could be a security, but with a validator, you can, as long as you have enough money, you could you know create your own staking platform you don't you're not you're not required to go through someone else you know so is it sufficiently decentralized is kind of i think that's going to be the question um so yeah i mean i'm i'm still holding on to the ethereum i bought six years ago well i mean it still looks very positive the biggest problem that i have is it's becoming a lot of the big banks are getting into this so your question about is it decentralized enough it's becoming decentralized into all the big banks around the world so it's just kind of their new product that they're going to control and at the end of the day if they own a majority of the staking ethereum and they get to vote on that can they change it to do something else and hopefully that's not the case hopefully it's too large for that at a certain point but it kind of seems like this has been an opportunity for a lot of these big banks that initially missed out on crypto to get back in ethereum has been one of their big targets of what they're doing yeah, yeah, letting big banks in and kind of this late in the game seems to be the theme for the last couple months. It's like Bitcoin prices down, uh, institutions kind of front run, buy up some Bitcoin and get the SEC to at least convince them that a Bitcoin spot ETF is something possible. And, you know, this stuff with Ethereum. So, yeah, it seems, you know, I mean, that's how it's going to work, right? I mean, uh, politicians and big banks work together. Like, that's why they get bailed out and regardless of what happens so i mean this is kind of like the, the crypto bank bailout like let let these guys in at the last minute now that everything's kind of sufficiently not everything that the the largest crypto and, and bitcoin are kind of sufficiently de-risked so banks can kind of start to trickle in and you know 
the regulators will kind of pave the way for that. So speaking of bailed out, I was listening to an interview where one of the guys was talking about kind of the macro perspective and how market liquidity is coming back. And in the past, all this liquidity was used, or QE, right, was used to kind of bail out the banks. And we're starting to see that come back, although it's not the banks that are going to be so much bailed out, it's going to be the governments on this this next round of QE because they're all struggling and they got to do something, right? So we should start to see market liquidity come back, which while it goes to the governments will still hopefully benefit things like Bitcoin. I mean, you're already seeing a lot of positive news coming out. Bitcoin jumped up from 26 to 30K here <laughs> in the past week, right? So it's it's going in the right direction and it's still not fully turned on yet from a QE perspective, but, and it's, like you said, the next 18 months are going to be a very interesting time for crypto in general. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know if QE is bailing out sovereign um, funds. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be inflationary because governments can't help, but give money to the people for votes, right? Like that's, that's been increasing for decades. So, yeah, I mean, that money will eventually find its way into the market. It won't be as quick as if you just cut checks, direct deposit into people's checking accounts like they did uh, uh, a couple of years ago, but it'll it'll find its way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's inflationary. That's typically good for Bitcoin. So that's all I had on my end. Anything else you wanted to mention? Um, the one thing that I did look at, like, you know, Bitcoin's just been kind of, it's hard to say it's boring. It's up like 80% since, since the beginning of the year. And this is June. So it's boring for Bitcoin. Maybe like it's, it's, uh, we haven't had like super candles that, that go up 10 grand in a day. But, um, so I clicked on some detailed like chart stuff that I, that I've built on trading view. And, uh, I was just looking at like the, the, the 50 day moving average versus 200 and we had a, a golden cross in february at about twenty two thousand dollars of bitcoin and you know those golden crosses are, are pretty good sometimes they reverse quickly and you get like a death cross right after a right after a golden cross and we kind of had a we kind of we came up from those sixteen thousand dollar bitcoin went up it, that that kind of forced that golden cross and then we kind of dipped down again and bounced off the 200 day moving average and then went back up again and then kind of came down and had more support. It was close to the 200 day moving average and bounced back up again, which is kind of indicative of, uh, from a technical analysis standpoint, a bull market. Similarly, the short term cost basis um, on like the chain analysis type of stuff where essentially the short term traders um, are break even and it's becoming a line of support and it's bounced off at like three or four times in this little run so that's a good sign for bull runs because that's kind of how bull runs occur um they they're as as they get close to break even they're buying again and then that kind of brings in more buyers the price goes up they start to sell comes back down bounces off that line again and so you know I always think we're kind of in a bull market. Like if you step back far enough, we're in a, we're always in a bull market with Bitcoin, but, um, but yeah, it's just kind of a good sign for like a short term run, um, which is interesting because, you know, we're not really due for that for over a year. So if we kind of get into this happening while things are, are, are doing well, 
and then we go into our the normal like liquidity crunch due to the lack of bitcoin coming on to becoming available you know if we kind of like last time we had like a double um top if this time we just have a bunch of like if the macro environment's positive and we get a bull run you know we could see like it could be it could be a pretty interesting uh interesting bitcoin cyclical run but we're still it's so it's 18 months away which is unpredictable you know tomorrow is unpredictable in bitcoin so 18 months is pretty tough it's a long long ways away but it's also not that far away at the same time it'll it'll go quickly for sure yeah it'll be your quick cool well that's all that i think we had for this week then and as always a fun week in crypto and i'm interested to see what happens over the next week same here man especially with uh, a holiday happening here in the U.S. Uh, so what does that mean? Well, it means banks are closed and Bitcoin's open. <laughs> I guess that's a good point. Awesome. As always, thanks for joining, Hal. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, Jason. See you. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet, and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.